You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. While our world is in a season of uncertainty, we know God rules over all things. In this series, we'll explore the opportunity before us to reflect, recalibrate our lives, and return to God with all of our hearts. So if you've got a Bible somewhere in your home, I encourage you to grab it and turn to a little book called Lamentations. Uh, that is in your, your Old Testament, kind of the second half of your Old Testament, right after uh, Jeremiah. So we're going we're gonna to put a pause on our series in Matthew and spend a few weeks kind of stepping into this opportunity that I believe God's given to us. And so, so instead of um, looking at this as a, a massively uh, weird and strange interruption to our life, which it is that, I'm not trying to deny that, uh, it is an interruption, but I also want us to see it as a as an invitation from the Lord, an invitation for us to, um, to stop and to process, to reflect, to think, and step into this opportunity that God has given to us. For us to, to think about, like, how do we deal with disappointment, with pain, with loss? Uh, how do we deal with kind of a, a disorientation of our lives right now? What do we, what do, we do? What's, what's, a, what's a posture of repentance really look like? Um, and then I want to come back on Easter. Those are kind of like three messages we want to work through over the next few weeks. But then I want to come back on Easter and talk about uh, the promises that God gives to us as a result of the resurrection of renewal and restoration. Uh, Richard Foster says this, who's an author and, um, yeah, great writer, highly recommend anything that he has written. But he says this, superficiality is the curse of our age. Uh, The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but listen to him, he says this, but for deep people. I mean, never in my lifetime um, have we gotten an opportunity like we have before us to become deep people. And so I'm praying that God would give us the grace to kind of look in, to examine our hearts, uh, to enter into a time of deep reflection and really ask questions like, what is really going on inside of me? So today, I, I do want to spend some time and talk a little bit about what do we do uh, with disappointment, with loss, with pain, with suffering. Um, I want to encourage you, if, if you can get this book, I think this book will be a great book to kind of read over the season. A good friend of mine, uh, we're going to just call him Mark. His first name is Mark, but his last name is a hard name for me to pronounce. So we're going to say Mark V. Uh, I think his book is coming up on the screen right now, but it's called Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. And a lot of uh, kind of my thoughts even this morning are coming from this book. So I just want to say, man, thank you, Mark, for writing this book. It's a, it's a good little read. And so if you're able, I want to encourage you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word. Uh, let's look at Lamentations Chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 19 and read down to verse 24. So hear the word of the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I recall to mine and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion 
Therefore, I will wait for him. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, let's pray together. Father, as um, weird and as strange that this time is, we are thankful that we can still gather together, even though we're not in person, but here online as a community of Christ followers who are submitting our lives and our hearts and our minds to the truth that we've sang already, as well as the words that we've heard this morning. So Lord, continue to help us open the eyes of our, our heart and the ears of our hearts so that we can hear from you this morning. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I came across an article in the sports page of the Courier-Journal last week. It's an article about a, a guard named Lamar Stevens. Uh, he's a senior guard who played for Penn State University. And they, they gave a, a little short write-up about him. Um, Lamar is a, a senior. Uh, his team, Penn State, was going to go to the, uh, the incident tournament for the first time in nine years. First time in nine years. They've had an incredible season, uh, which has been all, obviously the first time in his career uh, that he would be able to go to the NCAA tournament. He was also, this is what else is kind of crazy, he was seven points away from becoming the all-time leading scorer for P Penn State University. And then as most of us know, all of that came to a stop and uh, the season ended abruptly. This is what he has to say in that article. I was really hurt. Being a senior, being a guy who hasn't made the tournament in the previous three years, and knowing that it was coming to a reality this year, not having any control over it, being seven points away from becoming the school's all-time leading scorer, my heart broke, honestly. I think most of us that are listening to this obviously can... Um, can resonate and empathize and understand exactly what this person is going through. I mean, what a, what a massive disappointment for Lamar C. Stevens to be so close to fulfilling a dream of playing in the NCAA tournament as well as seven points away from becoming the all-time leading scorer at Penn State. Massive pain, loss, confusion, and disappointment. If you're here, I mean, most of you guys have probably canceled vacation, you've canceled trips. If you're in middle school or high school, there's probably been plays, concerts, different things that you've prepared for all year that's been done away with. Uh, if you're a senior in college or a senior in high school, you're probably thinking about what in the world is graduation going to look like? Are we going to have a graduation? The one thing that you kind of, you know, look forward to and something that's etched in your memory all of your life, is this going to actually really happen? And so, all of us can resonate and um, identify with what Lamar Stevens is going through. Some of us on a more um, larger scale, some of us are losing our jobs. And if we're not losing our jobs, we're, we're having a lot of anxiety of what's going to happen with my job. There's, um, I was talking with Jonas, Jonas Sage, who's our uh, lead pastor at our New Albany congregation. He was talking about a couple uh, who the husband uh, just last year quit his job, started a, a restaurant, a brand new restaurant there in New Albany. And uh, his wife is the one that kind of had the stable job in order for him to kind of fulfill and pursue after his dreams. Well, obviously this week, a lot of things have changed and that restaurant's been shut down and his wife actually lost her job also. So a ton of uncertainty 
about their finances, paying bills, and a lot of that's happening within our community also. So it's not like um, disappointment and pain and loss and suffering has been something we weren't used to or not even in our lives before all this happened. It's just that what is going on in our time right now, that disappointment, pain, loss, suffering, is just kind of right in our face. I mean, it's it's stuff that we're dealing right now in a real present reality in a way that we have never experienced it in all of our lives. And all I want to do this morning is like, what do we do with this? How do we deal with disappointment? How do we deal with pain, with loss, with suffering that, that leads to a, a deeper hope and a deeper trust in the one who actually holds all this together? And the way we deal with this is through a, um, a means and a practice that we call lament. Mark defines lament in his book like this. Lament is the honest, and I want to emphasize honest, cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain. And that pain can come in loss and suffering and in disappointment and the promise of God's goodness. So I'm going to say it again. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. That's what we see in this passage of Scripture that we just got done reading here just a few minutes ago. Lamentations is a, a book that probably a lot of us don't spend a lot of time in. Lamentations is made up of five different laments. Uh, and they were, they were written in a, in a season and a time in the nation of Israel that was marked by suffering, pain, devastation. There are, there are kind of two polar events that have a way of defining the nation of Israel, the, the Hebrew people. The first one is the Exodus which is a definitive story of salvation into a free life that God did for them. And the other event is kind of on the other extreme, and that is called the exile, which is a definitive story of judgment accompanied by immense suffering. It's where God um, punishes his people for their sin by allowing them to be taken into Babylonian captivity. And this was marked by the fall of Jerusalem that happened in 586 BC. And this book, Lamentations, was written by this prophet Jeremiah out of this exile experience. And so we have this, this gift of these laments that Jeremiah has written where he is crying out to God in honest, unfiltered ways of his pain, his suffering, his hard questions that he has about God. And so I just want to give you a, a sample of a few of these kind of poetic expressions of, of this devastation that Jeremiah is experiencing here at the fall of Jerusalem. Start in, in chapter 1 here, verses 1 through 3, we, we read this. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are upon her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is none to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. 
After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. He continues on down in chapter 1 and verse 9. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. Look, O Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. Skip down to verse 16. He continues on. This is why I weep, and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. You go to chapter 2, you read on, verse 11. My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. Verse 20, look, O Lord, and consider, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring and their, the children that they have cared for? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? He goes on in chapter 3 where he, he kind of speaks in a personal way here, starting in verse 16. Jeremiah says, He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say this. My splendor is gone and all that I hope for from the Lord. Look what Jeremiah is doing. And this is just a sample of what is happening in this book. You can read all five chapters and encourage you to do that. But in this lament, Jeremiah is struggling with God. He is refusing to settle for the status quo. He's not numbing himself or, or sidestepping hard emotions and hard questions. And all I mean by sidestepping is that we have a tendency to kind of quickly move beyond difficult emotions and difficult questions and say, you know, it's really what rough, but God is good. It's really what rough, but really hard, but, but God's got a plan. That's not what Jeremiah is doing here. He is not also giving God the silent treatment. He's not, you know, being silent toward God. The silent treatment not only doesn't work in horizontal relationships, but it doesn't work in our relationship with God also. What we see here with Jeremiah is an unfiltered honesty with God. And I don't, I don't know what your experience has been, but I know in my own experience, as well as talking with other people, this kind of honesty, this kind of unfiltered speaking to God is really, really hard for followers of Jesus Christ. It's what I find in my own life, and that's what I found in talking with a lot of Christians. We... We find it a little more easier um, to speak this way horizontally. We find it way more easier to, um, to grumble, to complain, to vent our anger in, in kind of a one another horizontal kind of relationships. And I'm not saying that that isn't good or that we should not do that. I would say this, what we have a tendency to do then is we, we do this horizontally, but when we go to our, our relationship with God and our speaking to him, we have a tendency to kind of filter our conversation. We have a tendency to kind of 
even when we speak harsh or, or hard words toward God or difficult words toward him, we want to filter it a little bit more than what we do horizontally. And what God is inviting us to do is the very opposite of that. He's inviting us as followers of Jesus Christ to actually practice wisdom and how we vent toward one another. That there's a there's a way that we need to kind of filter some of what we say and have wisdom on how vulnerable we need to be with one another. But when it comes to our relationship with God, no. He's saying, don't filter it. Come to me with honest, unfiltered crying out to me. And this is what lament does for us. Lament is a place for us to express with honesty the sorrow, the pain, the loss, the disappointment that we feel. Look, guys, if, look, if we don't lament our pain, our disappointment, our loss, then we'll find other ways of coping. And I would just put before you, whenever you find these other ways of coping, it doesn't lead to deeper trust and deeper hope. It actually leads to bitterness Cynicism, anger, isolation, and probably no hope. Instead, God is inviting us to deal with our disappointments, our loss, our pain, our difficulties by lamenting. And that's one of the things I want to encourage us to do over these next few weeks. And maybe you can even do it uh, today. This afternoon, hopefully it's a, a beautiful day where you can go take a walk. But I, I want to encourage us to write a lament. And the easiest way you can write a lament, found this in Mark's book, is just kind of uh, use four words here. I think they're going to show up on the screen here. But this is, this is how you can just write your own lament to kind of process and deal with the disappointment and pain that you feel. The first step is, 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 is turn. That's, that's the word you can use here. It's an, it's an address to God. You're, that's what, what Jeremiah is doing in his lament here. He's, he's turning his heart toward God. He's, like we said last week, he's looking up. He's turning toward him. And the second movement is complain. You're offering uh, or speaking a complaint. You're, you're clearly and bluntly and unfiltered Laying out your sorrow, your pain, your disappointment, your loss. What, is, what it is that you're struggling with, you're, you're bringing your complaint to him. The third word is then you're asking. What do you want God to do? How do you want God to act? And the fourth one is you write an expression of trust. A lament always ends with a renewed trust and praise. So yeah, I mean, I, I know for me I'm not a great writer and I don't write a whole lot in my journal, but I do some. But I really want to encourage us all as a community to um, step into this practice of lament. This is what God wants us to do with our disappointments and our losses and our sufferings and even our hard questions. Turn, complain, ask, and trust. And at the same time, I also recognize in the context of a community like this, um, that there's, there's kind of both groups are being represented here. There's some of us that are struggling over um, 
you know, questions of what my job's going to be like, where it's going to be, how we're going to pay bills, financial difficulties, just a lot of uncertainty that's happening in your life. And then there's others of us where because of this crisis, our business and our job is booming. It's like, okay, wow, like business is coming to you like you never would have imagined or dreamed. And so I'm, I'm trying to encourage, even if this is, um, I hate to even use this kind of language, but I think you're going with it. Even if this is a time of sort of a feast where things are going really well for you, we're a family and Paul is encouraging us in the New Testament that we weep with those who weep. And so I want to encourage you to, to lament on behalf of someone else's suffering and pain and loss that you would find a way to embody their own suffering and loss and disappointment and that maybe you would write a lament on behalf of them. It's interesting as you read, if you read through the book of Lamentations, you'll notice that, that Jeremiah often switches from the first to third person and, and it can sometimes feel a little confusing, but most scholars believe that some of what Jeremiah is doing here is that he's taken a collection of the people's experience in exile and then compiling them together. And if you'll notice it, he's actually owning it as himself. He's writing this lament as if he's embodying their difficulty and their pain and their struggle. And you'll even see later on in Lamentations that he's actually repenting of their sins and he's owning them as his own sin. So I'm just inviting you, maybe you're in a season right now where you're not feeling a lot of loss or disappointment, but I want to invite you to process someone else's pain. Imagine yourself being in their pain and identify, empathize, write lament on their behalf. But remember, lament is, is, yes, it's this honest, unfiltered expression of our pain and sorrow and our loss But a lament is not an end in itself. It's not just stopping there. We write this lament so that it will lead us to trust. We write this lament so that it will lead us to further hope in God. And this is what we see in the book of Lamentation. Right in the middle of one of the most darkest books in all of the Bible, we have this glimpse, this ray of hope uh, that's literally right in the middle of this book, and it's actually the climax of all the book is kind of leading to, and we just read it here, and I'll read it again in verses 21 through 23 of chapter 3. Listen to what Jeremiah writes. In one of the most darkest books, we see this glimmer of hope. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They, his love and his compassions, are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When we read this well-known text, I mean, I, I don't know what comes to your mind, uh, but I, I've seen verse 23 where the, God's mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. I've seen that on coffee mugs. Uh, I've gone to Cracker Barrel and I've seen it on like uh, cards and paintings or whatever it is. Actually, one of my favorite hymns of all times is, is, is out of these verses, great is thy faithfulness. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think what we can... Um, picture in our mind as far as the context of where these three verses are written as is maybe a Thomas Kincaid painting. I think I've got a a picture of one of them. 
on your screen where you just see like pastel colors. I mean, I know it's a little, little hard to see maybe, but you got, you know, a, a beautiful scenery, a beautiful little stream, nice bridge there, a little house in the background, you know, sunset. I mean, this is maybe what you've envisioned before when you thought about uh, where and what context these this verse was pinned in. Maybe you had a, you know, a vision of someone on the beach, you know, sipping a pina colada and, and saying, hey, the, God's compassion and mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But actually, a better picture to help us understand the context of what this, where this verse was written would look something like this. I mean, I know this is kind of a modern-day pick of a, some kind of apocalyptic picture here that's probably taken from a video game, but this is kind of the desolation that Jeremiah was looking at and experiencing when he penned these words. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Understanding the context of where this verse is written gives us more weight to what Jeremiah is saying, notice what he says here in verse 21, where he says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So though all that is around Jeremiah is destruction, devastation, loss, suffering, and pain, this is not what he's thinking on. This is not what he's calling to mind, and it's an invitation for us that even though we go to Kroger or Walmart and we see the shelves empty, this is not what's going to dominate my mind. Even though we, we, we have a, an uncertainty of, of where our job is going to be in the next few weeks, this is not what we call to our mind. Even though we're unsure of maybe possibly how we're going to do rent or mortgage or pay our bills, this is not what we're calling to our minds. What we're calling to our minds and what we're thinking on is what is always true about God. We are, we are looking up. And what is always true about God, what's there in verses 22 and 23, his great love for us, his compassion for us, it never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so when Jeremiah uses this word new here, it doesn't mean that they never existed before. Actually, what he's trying to help us see is he's pointing out their endurance, that they're never exhausted. They, they go on and on and on. In fact, the word love here in the Hebrew language is written in the plural. So literally, it says this, the Lord's great loves, pointing that, that it will never, ever be exhausted. You can come to him and God will supply his love and mercy and compassion for you every single day. So, so Jeremiah is rehearsing what he knows to be true about God despite what he sees. Even in the leveling of Jerusalem, God is still in control and good. Despite the destruction that Jeremiah sees of Judah, he says his love and mercies never come to an end. God's faithfulness is still Great. And remember, remember this, guys. This is not where Jeremiah started. If this is all we have of lamentations, this is not very helpful. Remember, he started with an, 
with an honest, unfiltered crying out to God that led to a deeper trust of his great love and compassion and faithfulness. Without hope in God's deliverance, conviction that he is all-powerful, there would be no reason to lament when pain, loss, and disappointment enter our lives. Lament is rooted in what we believe. And we are a people who live this side of the resurrection and our knowledge of the love of God is more full and complete than even what Jeremiah understood. Because God said this, man, God demonstrated his own love toward all of us that while we were in rebellion, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So don't ever have to doubt his love and his compassion and his faithfulness to me because I have a a moment in history that happened 2,000 years ago that I can look back on and be confident that he loves me, that he's full of compassion toward me, and that he will be faithful to you. So look, during this very strange and eerie season, don't stop talking to God. And don't bring your memorized, trite, blah, blah, blah things you always say to God. Struggle with him. Don't settle. Don't numb yourself. Struggle, wrestle with God. Get alone with him. Be still. Look in. And write a lament. I'll end with this. Mark says this. The space between brokenness and God's mercy is where this song of lament is sung. Let's pray together. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash jtown.